0: Hello, you lovely lot. Welcome to episode eight of series three with the wonderful Jill from Gillian Jones
1: Designs. Well, I have a number of health issues which limit my ability to leave the house and also the number of hours I can work. So being able to work from home means that I can work. If I had to get up, get dressed, go to work, um, that would be it for the day, basically. (laughs) And I'd be turning around and coming home again. So being able to work in my pyjamas and uh, just amble to my desk when I feel like I'm able. Just makes a massive difference.
0: This episode is such a refreshing look at how important running a business can be. Jill faces physical challenges most days, but works flexibly within her business and invests in having a team around her and of course, outsourcing. This episode is so inspirational and so useful if you're running your own business. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, Gillian, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hello, I'm very pleased to be here. I'm quite oh, excited. It's
0: we <laughs> to meet you. We met a couple of weeks ago at the Facebook Live event, and now we get to have a good proper chat with you. So I'm sure a lot of listeners have spotted some of your lovely artwork, but for those who have missed it, please could you tell me a little bit about Gillian Jones
1: Designs? Well, Gillian Jones Designs consists of me and a sidekick called Kate, who helps me out, and we do military artwork basically it's all digital except when I dabble in watercolors so I create it on the computer and then I print it on my enormous printer which cost me vast amounts of money but it's really good onto fine art paper and then I sell it in various places. What I set out to do was come up with designs that were colourful and bright and would look interesting on Magnolia walls. That was effectively the sort of brief that I set myself when I started. So I think I have achieved that. And
0: they're brilliant. And you yourself are a veteran, you were in the Navy, your husband is still serving, um, and you do an awful lot of, well, I'm gonna say boats and ships. <laughs> yes. I know that the Navy is very protective about the difference. I can't quite remember. But also for the RAF lot, there are a few planes. Um, And you've recently started working with the Royal Navy and the Royal Marines charity. I spotted some of your lovely mugs. Can you tell me about that collaboration and what you create
1: for them? Yes, I started working with them. It was quite a while ago, actually, about three years, I think. A chap called Bob Field, who still works for them, got in touch with me, having ordered a print uh, for himself and said, I really like your stuff. Would you like to be a charity partner? So um, I went and met them. They're based in Portsmouth. So it was nice and easy. And we had a chat. And so I donate a small amount from each Royal Navy print I sell and also designed a series of artworks for them. So uh, the mugs that you saw, one of them was a, a Jackspeak design, which is the Navy slang design. And the other one was the current fleet in the Union flags. And then they asked me to stick them on various things occasionally. So I have T-shirts and tote bags. And, so they've got those two designs. And then every year mostly. I do a limited edition for them, which I then give 40% of the sale of each of those to the charity. So, And they promote me all over the place. So it saves me having to go to shows really, which is tricky. So they take my artwork and my mugs and stuff all around the country to various events.
0: And they're really good. I really, really like them. Um, we can't fit another mug in our... <laughs> <laughs> because it's full of squadron mugs that I need to um, drop when we move house. So, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm not sure how well a Navy mug would go down, but I might surprise my husband one day. And you mentioned on the form that I sent you that your business really helps you able to keep working um, and that you love working from home, which I also do love working yes. from. It makes it all very handy when the postman knocks on the door or the washing needs to be done. Um, so why is it so important that you have your business?
1: Well, I have a number of health issues which limit my ability to leave the house and also the number of hours I can work and the amount I can do in any one day because I have a very limited amount of energy. So being able to work from home means that I can work. If I had to get up, get dressed, go to work, um, that would be it for the day, basically. <laughs> and I'd be turning around and coming home again. So being able to uh, work in my pyjamas and uh just amble to my desk when I feel like I'm able just makes a massive difference and means I can keep going and if I didn't have this I wouldn't I'd go mad and secondly wouldn't have be able to have a job such not a conventional job anyway because they're too regimented that you have to be there at a certain time and work for a certain number of hours this gives me complete flexibility so if I feel well at two in the morning I can work at two in the morning And if I don't feel well at two in the afternoon, I can go to bed. It all works really well.
0: Yeah. And being self-employed gives you that flexibility. Some people have to work around children. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing it because I'm working around my military life. Um, And for you, it's just a really important way of being able to still do something and not be restricted. Yeah. By the stuff that you have just said so my mum is disabled I've spoken about this before she has multiple sclerosis but when we were younger as children she ran her own business from home yeah. um, which I think it's probably gosh it's probably her fault that I'm now doing this um, <laughs> and it was good and it's really quite an inspiring thing to see my mum slogging away and working really hard despite her um, disability yeah. and achieving really big things and being a bit of a role model for me and I
1: think that's really important for our children to see. I was training to be a teacher a few years ago and that involved dropping the kids off at drop a wrap around at first thing in the morning, dashing off and not coming back till six o'clock, then working till midnight and during that period is when I started to get unwell, really unwell and um, I had to give up which was awful. And I'd always wanted to be a teacher. It was my sort of long-term plan after I'd done the Navy to do that. And once I kind of got over the fact that it was awful, I'm still working on it, but getting there, and decided to focus on this, I've seen so much difference in my children. You know, They are so much more open with me. They'll put up with the fact I go to bed and just come and hug me in bed and have a chat at the end of the day and are sort of kind of considerate and caring and can cook their own dinner when I can't. It's, it, so there are, although there are massive downsides to it all, there are upsides as well. And that sort of learning of empathy and learning of fitting one's life around what you're capable of doing, I think it's quite a good lesson for the kids. And I think it's the same in any military family, you know, you have to learn to fit your life around the circumstance. And, my husband doesn't go away that much, but we've got a different issue to fit around, a different circumstance to fit around. So it's, um, it's all a sort of learning and growing opportunity. I say this now when I'm in a good mood. <laughs> Later on, I'll be sitting and screaming, throwing things around. But um, yeah, occasionally I manage to count my blessings.
0: Which is actually a really important mindset to have because running a business is really tough. And I've said for years that you've got to celebrate the wins, ignore the rubbish bits you know and, and and yeah fair play to you it's a great mindset to have and to hopefully think about it a bit positively which leads me on to the question about business highs and lows it's it's tough running a business and it's amazing it's like a roller coaster what would you say are your biggest wins to date and maybe a little bit about your lows and how you've overcome them uh biggest wins
1: today um probably getting a regular order from the Compo Flot. There's one for you. Commodore Portsmouth Srotilla, who is the person who's in charge of all the ships in Portsmouth, has an annual prize giving ceremony. And I had just delivered 29 pictures um, for them to be given out to all the sailors who are getting awards this year. And I did the same last year. And I'll probably do the same next year. And that's by far my biggest order each year. And it goes in the Navy news and you know people are aware of it. It's on social media and stuff. Well, that's probably my biggest win and probably has resulted in the most growth. That and the link with the RNRMC, the charity, um, are the two things which have sort of put my name out a bit as the sort of place to go for a military print for leaving gift or award or whatever. So my lows, probably the days where I feel awful, can't work, and I know I've got all this piling up, and. I probably have at least one every couple of weeks or more. Actually, probably every week. I, I'm not very good at doing nothing. So even when I'm, you know, lying on the sofa and can't move, my head's still going. So then I can't sleep, and so it goes on. My inability to shut off from it is probably the low points when I am poorly. I should. I'd love to be able to just go right. Like, I can't do anything today. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to rest. I do try, but it doesn't really work. It is a case of just suck it up, really. Sometimes I manage to shut off, but it's very rare. And I think that's a sort of facet of having your own business, is that it's yours and you feel pride, personal pride in it. And, you know, not responding to that email is, is irritating. You know, you just want to make sure everyone, everyone all your customers feel loved and attended to and get what they want in time. Yeah. And unfortunately, I lost my, my previous helper, Karen, who was around a lot more than Kate can be so she sort of picked up some of that slack so I'm hoping once Kate's kids go to school next year she'll be able to pick up more slack as well and sort of pick up that bit where I'm struggling a bit keeping it all together
0: and I think that's a good sort of bit of advice for all of us um we're all in very different situations of course but When you're running a business, there's this massive sense of overwhelm and not emailing people back. I read a quote the other day that adulting is basically emailing people going, I'm really sorry for not emailing you (laughs) um, until you die, like just backwards and forwards. Um, But actually, this is a really good thing to highlight and to say that you need to outsource stuff. I think one of the first things you do when you start making some money, I would advise is to... Outsource stuff, get some help, start off with your accounts, maybe move into a virtual assistant or, in your case, a real life assistant. I'm a bit jealous yeah. about that. <laughs> deal with one of those. Um, and yeah, it's a really good way to run your business and start your business and work from there. So, this podcast series is all about business. What do you think are your best business tips that you've learned so far?
1: Huh. This is one I should have thought about beforehand. Sorry. Um, That's okay. (laughs) Come to me. My best business tips. Presentation is important. So I get a lot of positive feedback on my packaging and the little notes that I put in my products. Obviously, this is for a product business, but the same applies to others. I always put a little handwritten note in with it to say thank you very much for your order. And I reference the order specifically, so it's not just a generic note. I make sure I've got little logo stickers and everything. and So it all looks neat and branded and like a proper fine art print as it should do because it's a relatively expensive product so people expect a relatively expensive looking package to arrive on their door um, and I try and meet that without spending too much money. So that's number one. Also, it applies in things like emails as well like your email footer, for example. You no, know, don't just have sent by post box or sent by my phone or whatever you have at the bottom Put so it's something where it looks professional and neat and with the logo if you've got one um, I think that's quite important and I do I shouldn't but I do judge people on their emails <laughs> 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 and their grammar <laughs> and just pre-free your emails helps as well. Communication I suppose as well letting people know if something's going to be delayed and or Giving people up to date on progress, those sorts of things I think are quite important. And numerous times I've had to reply to someone and say, I'm really sorry, I've been in hospital or whatever, and I'm not going to get this done in time. And 99% of the time, people are absolutely fine with that. People are nicer than you think they're going to be, basically. So being completely open about it just breaks down that barrier and people aren't then wondering what's going on, or wondering why you've disappeared off the face of the earth. and. Um, and that has managed to, I think, retain customers not? that would perhaps have slipped away if I'd have just not said anything at all and hidden, which is tempting.
0: And it's true. And also for somebody that runs a service business, packaging is also important because you sending stuff through the post makes such a difference. People really quite like that. And it really helps me with postings. If I look after my clients, it's easier for them to work with me virtually and if I look like a professional outfit, then, um, which I am, then generally people will come back and work with me. And it just takes those little tiny additions, like yes. the email fitter, so easy, but so important. And then the communication within those emails and just explaining to people that you are a real human. And that's the joy of your product or the joy of your service is that you're a real human being and you get that personal touch. And which means that with that sometimes things can go a little bit awry and a little bit personal. Um, But you're right, people are are happier and friendlier than than you'd expect them to be. Mm. It's really true. So you're on this podcast series because you are a military spouse, but also you're a veteran, you served in the Royal Navy. Now, I always ask this question to people that have served previously (laughs) with mixed answers, but it is quite a good, honest one. So um, brace yourself. What was your view of the military spouse
1: before you became one? Ah, oh, well, I was always one, if you see what sort of I mean. I was a military spouse when I was in the Navy. So, this is an interesting tale. We actually joined the Navy together. Um, both had an early midlife crisis at 30, got fed up working for IBM, um, and applied to join the Navy, and went through AIBs together, and then joined the same day at Dartmouth. So, we've always been in it together. So, yeah, I've never really thought about it whilst I was serving I just kind of was in my world of working and married patches tend to focus around small children quite a lot of the time and I didn't have any when I was serving so I didn't really interact with other military wives as such unless they were my friends who were also serving there was quite a few of them so it was only when I um, left on having children that I interacted with this mythical beast that is the military wife (laughs) With no preconceptions at all. It wasn't until someone asked me where on the patch I lived, and I realised afterwards it was to determine my husband's rank, that um, I first (laughs) encountered this uh, awareness of rank. But actually, there was only ever one, and uh, yeah, that long since passed. So all my military wife friends are all uh, um, rank independent. (laughs) It doesn't make any difference.
0: I always say that I get a lot of emails from people or Facebook messages or Instagram messages saying, hi, Jess, love your podcast series. I've just found you. I'm getting married in a few months. I'm moving on to my first Married patch. Uh, how do I find friends? What do I do? Um, help me. And I always say to them that you just go off and try all the different things, join in the different groups. You'll find the odd weird wife or the odd weird <laughs> spouse. And then once you found that one, after yeah. that, you tend to find your friends. Um, yes. And it's worth the hassle. You just need to work your way through the odd ones to find them.
1: Yeah, everyone's just human, aren't they? There's no great difference between a military wife and any other wife, apart from the circumstance of their husbands disappearing for six months at a time every now and again. We're all the same. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, I don't feel any different towards my military wife friends than to my other friends that I had before I joined the Navy. You know, they're just friends. It's, it doesn't make any difference to me. The only thing is I'm more likely to get a call in the middle of the night going, <laughs> help me, my child needs to go to hospital for a military wife than I am from a, from a, a civvy wife. You know, it's a different, more city friend.
0: Yeah, um, which is brilliant. Um, I mean, it's not brilliant that like going to hospital, but it's brilliant yeah. that we can all sort of rely on each other yeah. and have that Insta friend thing where we just don't have to explain it to each other. Yeah. Which, which is just really important. Mm. Um, which leads me to the question that there's a massive community of military spouses running their own business. Um, you're obviously on veteran-owned UK as well, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which is a brilliant community. Are there any spouses or veterans in particular that have sort of inspired you to keep going and that are particular, you're a particular fan of?
1: I did the X-Forces course a while ago, uh, a couple years ago, and one of the people on that course was Neil... Holesworth of Explorer Coffees and he, he was quite early on in his business at that point but he's really sort of ploughed ahead with it and he's just always around if I need help so we have a sort of mutually supportive um, relationship in that I'll do his design work in exchange for him putting up a gazebo, a show <laughs> and um, yeah the two businesses have sort of grown together um, And it's nice to have someone to sort of just bounce ideas off and he does the same with me. So I, yeah, I really value that sort of relationship and that came out of the X forces course, which was really a helpful thing to do. Although I'd already started my business when I did it, I was really just seeing what I'd done wrong. (laughs) in Starting up, it still sort of enabled me to focus my mind a bit and um, pull together all the threads of business. Uh, of my business and be a bit more yeah be be a bit more focused with it and not try and do everything for everybody yeah when I studied uh, I studied engineering at university and we talked a lot about management and business and stuff but one of the things we talked about was core competencies is the business should use its core competencies and outsource everything else basically so why would IBM do catering when it's just focused on computers and outsource catering, that kind of thing. And although it's on a much smaller scale, obviously, um, I try and retain that sort of idea. Um, and doing the X-Horces course helped me pin that down, what it was that I wanted to do, and to stick with the artwork and not expand too far into other areas. And that has worked really well, actually. There's a, a temptation, isn't there, to try and offer everything you can offer. But that just dilutes, I think, your image and brand.
0: Yeah, focus on yeah, focus on your brand and focus on what you do well. Because mm. we can all do all the things, but it doesn't mean we can do all the things well. Yeah, um, and that's the secret to it. Find a niche and be an expert in that field. Mm. It's a really good piece of advice. So, what's the plan? Where is Gillian Jones Designs
1: heading in the future? Oh, well, there's there's plans and there's there's Ambitions and there's dreams. <laughs> they don't always mesh. At the moment, I I'd like to find another person to help out. I'm not entirely sure I want them to do yet, but I'm working on that. Uh, probably more the admin stuff. That's sort of a short-term thing. Long-term, I would really love to have a sort of dedicated place, either in a gallery or a gallery or a coffee shop with all my pictures on the walls or. There's a place in Portsmouth called the Hot Walls, which is down by the Harbour Mouth. And it's been turned into sort of little art studios by the council. And you can rent one for a period of time, but it's only three years. And I always think that's not really long enough to get his feet in. Um, but something like that would be great. Have my, an actual studio that isn't in the house. I know i said I love working from home. And it does make a huge difference. And it would involve vast amounts more costs and impracticalities. But, you know, it's still a nice idea. And maybe sell Neil's coffee when I'm there.
0: (laughs) I think it's a lovely idea. Coffee and artwork. I think it would be fab. Down by the sea. Yeah.
1: We'll we'll
0: have
1: to visit. Yeah. I'm not sure this is actually going to happen, but I keep it there in my mind as a possibility.
0: You've got to do it. If anybody's done uh, Susie Olivier's mindset course, then that would be one of the things that she would be making you pin to a pin board <laughs> yeah. every day and um, like a long-term goal that you've got to achieve. So yes, at the end, we always do the quick fire questions and it would be rude not to do that. So brace yourself, Jill, are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Go for it. The first
0: one is always, who would you most like to hear from on the Independent Spouse podcast?
1: I should have been thinking about this while you were talking earlier, but I didn't. (laughs) I think I would like to hear from Princess Anne. Because she's such a great supporter of, well, she's the um, chair or figurehead president of the RNRMC. And I presented one of my pictures to her a couple of years ago at a big do in London, which was fab. Um, And she always seems to just get it. You know when she does mm-hmm. her speeches, and so I think she would have lots of useful stuff to say to this community. Um, I know she's in a privileged position, but she's um, just seems to understand the service life and the service people. And her little speech she did about the RNMC was just spot on and how they should focus on certain things.
0: She's fab. I like her. Mm-hmm. No, we. Um, I joined the Royal British Legion's Women's Branch um as you do went to the AGM and she is also their president mm. and she came and she did a speech and um yeah she's just really clued up on what she's talking about mm. and she works really hard and she does You're right she gets it and it's not fluffy
1: no
0: and it's not nonsense um so that's I need to add
1: her to my list along with Prince Harry. <laughs>
0: um, I'm sure.
1: I'm sure they'd say yes. Sure, they'll yeah. say yes. Um, and a slightly more down-to-earth option would be someone from the RNRC. So um, Bob Field, for example, who found me, he could tell you all about what it does as a charity uh, and how it sort of tries to reach out and to fill the gaps that the sort of Navy leaves. It provides funding for extras to make service people and their families more comfortable yeah. it's a really good charity it tries to sort of be an umbrella charity for all the different you know there's hundreds of oh, yeah. service charities and distribute the money to the right places
0: and probably really important to the navy community as well so i awesome. will definitely look into them because um, it's just interesting to see what other services are up to On the very last one and the quick questions is what would you tell a military partner who wants to start their own business or project
1: do it (laughs) yeah um what i should say is write a business plan and but i didn't do that um (laughs) i would say go on one of the courses that the various charities offer ex-horses and i know there's others one at wolverhampton isn't there i think wolverhampton university is it
0: what the young son hero
1: that's the one Support the unsung hero, because they just give you that opportunity to focus your mind on what it is you really want to do and do something you want to spend your time doing. You know, it's all very well saying I'm going to become an actuary when you hate adding stuff up. Um, it, it's looking for that niche, which can be yours. And if it doesn't work, don't cling on to it for dear life change your focus and do something else um, because there's no point in um, keeping going when it's clearly not going to work and what is it and some ridiculous percentage of small businesses don't pass the first two years so it's not a sign of weakness or a sign of failure it just means that that wasn't the right thing and yeah keep trying
0: yeah and the amount of people that have done that And and gone through those courses and realised that what they're doing isn't quite right, and they found something even better to do. Yeah, just shows the value of those courses. Yeah. So yeah, the best. Yeah, good bit of advice. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that, Jill, is the end of the quickfire questions and the end of the interview. Um, But thank you for coming to talk to me today. If I'm interested in looking at your beautiful prints or fancy a royal navy themed mug, where can I find you?
1: (laughs) Well, you can now get other themed mugs. I've just bought mug printing kit so it's very exciting it stinks but it's very exciting um so my website is Gillian jones designs with an s on the end dot com and my facebook is the same jillian jones designs uh so is my instagram Gillian jones designs my twitter however is jill a jones because Gillian jones designs is too long for twitter
0: and I would recommend everybody checking you out and following you as somebody who has a house full of plain prints (laughs) that are not yours um, that I have to put up every time I get posted um, I would recommend everybody going to check out Gillian's stuff because it is much prettier and I would even as a designer I would definitely put your stuff on my wall and I'm quite fuzzy thank you so much for talking to me today it has been brilliant to have a good proper natter with you to find out more about your business to get to know you a bit better Um, yeah it's been fab thank you so much
1: you're very welcome thank you for having me it's
0: been good oh another thank you to jill for sharing your story do head over to see her social media and make sure you comment on her latest post and while you're online could i ask a little favor could you please go to wherever you listen to this episode and leave a review i've got a lovely inspirational free digital print to send to anybody who leaves a review so just email me over a screenshot and I will send it over. You can always reach me at hello at uk, And I will, of course, be back next week with a fascinating episode from the amazing Gems Collins. So I shall see you then.